Good morning, everybody. It's October 15th, 2021. I'm Charlie Fink. I'm here with Ted Shilowitz. It's This Week in XR. And we've got a very special guest this week, uh, director Brett Leonard, famous for making One More Man, uh, but an entrepreneur in his own right, uh, who's working on some uh, interesting trip tech. But first, let's get to the news. Good morning, Ted. Morning, Charlie. It's always nice to see you on a Friday. I know. I feel like my whole week is my whole week is defined by this moment. Yeah. Well, that and and your always interesting recap of the uh, the week's news and this week is a very active week across the city. So Peggy Johnson goes on CNBC and whips out the new headset and yep. also drops a five hundred million dollar bomb. So yep. Magic Leap is back. Well, and I think you've heard me say both privately and in public, Charlie, that I would not count Magic Leap out. I have spent a good amount of time with that company through their entire trajectory, watched the up, down, and sideways of it all, and uh, always thought that there was something that would you know, come of this in some fashion. Um, and I think you're starting to see you know, what can come from a second-gen product and the learnings of a first-gen product that probably should have never actually been released to the public, or at least couched that way, it should yeah. have really been a very much an internal development um, device on their way to what they're doing now. Um, and I think they're kind of uh, sort of, you know, establishing where they need to go as a trajectory of a company. It'll be very interesting. I've met Peggy a few times and, and like her a lot. And I think there's some interesting stuff going on there. Well, they're, they're clearly, HoloLens has always needed a well-funded um, competitor that Magic Leap we all hope Magic League would be. So uh, maybe there's still a chance that that's the way this will play out. She ran. I'd just like to say, don't count them out of the game. Yeah. Just keep, yeah. keep, them, yeah. keep them in mind. So, uh, you know, at the same time we heard from, uh, from Magic League, we hear that Microsoft uh, may not have that $22 billion from the Army in the bag after all for their IVAS system. Yeah, and you know, I'm obviously just like I'm a fan of what Magic Leap is doing. I'm a fan of what Microsoft is doing. I believe they're on a valuable and important trajectory. Their HoloLens one was remarkable in certain ways in, in terms of fidelity and potential wearability. The HoloLens two um, expanded on you know some of the field of view characteristics, but had some issues with the visual uh, fidelity. But I was always a little bit sort of like my my sort of critical critique size brain and you know I'm generally a pretty much optimistic person about let's just see where this goes maybe there's gonna be something <laughs> I just didn't quite see that chasm being connected of you know soldiers in a real combat environment using something that was derived from that technology as it stands today it doesn't I, I mean think the ruggedization is a really big issue yeah. um, you know I think that there's another issue which is you become dependent on the system and then it stops working yeah and then, and then where are you, right? Because you always know what it's like to be driving and having to deal with an app that wants to- Yeah, well, when my, when my Tesla decides that it wants to reboot on the road, <laughs> yes. but God, it still drives. The drive chain is not associated with the screen, but it is a weird experience when it just goes dark. So you can me. see, yeah, so you can see in lethal combat how that might be very inconvenient. Yeah, a bit, a little bit of a challenge, but you know what? Um, you know, okay, putting my optimistic hat on, good on the army to try and figure out where new technology can fit probably smart on the army's um, perspective that they maybe need to slow this train down a little bit yeah. and I mean, be I, a little I bit do, more development it oriented. It does make sense, right? Soldiers would have drones. The drones can fly over the battlefield identifying sure. friend and foe. And I, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world, but it may be too much tech too soon. 
Yeah, and likely they will find use cases for it to yeah. your point about you know using it for remote collaboration and maybe when certain people are wearing it not in actual combat situations but you know a step back at, back at the home tent or whatever it is or the home <laughs> the home base or on the nuclear submarine yeah. or whatever they're doing uh, it's just an interesting one to keep in mind you know when there's a 22 billion dollar sort of ticket floating around it of course it's going to create a fervor and you know a reason for guys like us to to speculate right. so, so we're talk we're talking about new headsets and Vive actually in an event today rolled out the Vive Flow. Yep. Which is a $500 not Quest competitor. Mm -hmm. So it is a standalone headset like the Vive mm -hmm. Focus, but as opposed to the Vive Focus, it's optimized for watching video, not necessarily doing games. Um, also no controller, right. right? It's just hand tracking because they're uh, targeting a group that is not interested in playing games. So uh, the demands of the on the controller are obviously far less, but they're thinking relaxation, communication, and media consumption. Is there a market for that? I think there probably is a market for that. Well, whether it will be the most robust market uh, is yet to be determined. And I think, uh, you know, the idea of where people watch television versus uh, where they don't. And there's a lot of companies that are experimenting. You know, um, there's a couple of Chinese manufacturers and Korean manufacturers that are doing sort of these head-worn ultralight connect to the smartphone remote displays, which essentially create you know a 70 to 100 inch television in front of your face. That's actually one of the primarily primarily and good applications of what the Unreal device can do is just give you a nice big flat screen that you know is is fairly good resolution in the device is light and wearable. So I think there's a market for it. I, I, I have this wondering in my head about, you know, if that device starts to find a home, will they start to like, maybe a third party will figure out controllers for it or someone will build controllers for it. I don't know. Man. I don't know. Color me super skeptical about yeah. this one. And also, you know, look, any company that goes into the hardware business and tries to make a market has to, to dump a big bag of money into it. Sure. And up till now, HTC has been um, not, let's say charitably not aggressive about that. You know, they, you know, stood back and let uh, Facebook tell the VR story and try yeah. and benefit from it. Let Sony tell the VR story, but HTC did not spend money marketing in that way. Um, you know, and, and so I wonder if they're gonna have the commitment to the flow to really, allow consumers to find it and understand it's the distinctiveness of its story. Yeah, well, in the history of all this, right, their initial partnership with, um, with Steam and Valve, right? And then, of course, they went off and built their own headset, the Index, which is a very sort of specialized market for that hyper gamer crowd, yeah. and it works really well for that. So, I mean, I think, look, the good news for us, for people that are in this uh, for the long haul, is that there are going to be a lot of options. We often talk about there will not be one headset to rule them all. They will have different use cases and different viabilities across various sectors. Um, you know, so the form factor is interesting. It looks pleasant to wear. It looks conceptually interesting to take on a plane or you know use in a meeting. And maybe just if they have the idea of using this the phone as a controller for lightweight sort of spatial meeting conversations, like what the Quest is doing with workrooms and that type of stuff. Maybe there's something there. I think we just kind of got to give it some time to see what. Uh, what comes of it, but you know, you and I'll have them in our hands soon enough, so we'll be able to play with them. And so, well, no, they told me actually no demo units. 
Like yeah, what? Yeah. You know, <laughs> no demo. I went through a company so I could buy one. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not talking about you if I don't get my damn demo unit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and they were so you know, really coming with the other demo units. So I, I feel like now they're they're cutting me off. Yeah, it's um, little, it is interesting that they're not providing demo units for people like you that are legitimate press and legitimate, you know, uh, educated voices in this world. And well, they don't see the value in it. That's I. The I, I always say, if you don't want to be in Forbes, that's fine with me. Yeah, I know it's a little, <laughs> a little surprising, but you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll listen to this and change their one, mind. One more story before we get to Brett. Yeah. Have you heard of Sky Mavis? Sky Mavis? Sky Mavis is the Vietnamese company. Oh, you're talking about Axie Infinity. Infinity. Yes, yes. And yes, Axie cool. Infinity. Uh, Sky Mavis just got $152 million from Andreessen. That was its Series B after its $7 million Series A last year. Right, yes. Andreessen has come in and valued the company at $3 billion. Ted, what is Axie Infinity and why does Andreessen want a piece of this so badly? Well, it's it's one of these multiplayer game-oriented universes that, again, you know, I, I know we haven't used the word today. Don't yet, say it. Don't say it. All right, I won't say it. Uh, <laughs> defines the the collaborative uh, next gen of what we do on the internet. How's that? Um, it is a very very popular gaming dynamic uh, sort of world living environment uh, that people. It's are got an element on. of Pokemon Go in it, right? Where yeah, you're there's... collecting these creatures that the axes that fight against each other and you breed them and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a big deal. And it is, it's got a huge worldwide audience. And Partly because the more you play it, the more crypto you earn. Yes, there's a blockchain element to this. So there's a reality, a, a financial reality to this, um, potentially, you know, as, as it starts to derive the idea of pay to play in a really interesting way where the company is actually trying to reward its users legitimately. That is a legitimate, um, you know, uh, a viability and use case of what this particular gaming instance is. Um, and it's gained a lot of traction and, you know, raised some interesting capital. And, you know, when he, when Andreessen touches something that, that gives it a, a degree of legitimacy. So. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of um, uh, people who are uh, thinking outside the box, uh, let's bring in our guest, Brett, director Brett Leonard, who made Lawnmower Man, but uh, has been a great thought leader uh, in VR for the past 10 years. And uh, he has some interesting projects going on that he's going to tell us about right now. Yeah. Let's welcome Brett. Brett, it's great to see you and thanks for coming on the show. Good to see you too, Charlie and Ted. Hey, Brett. Nice to see you as always. Yep. Thanks for coming. We, we were emailing before Brett came on and he was telling me a little bit about his new venture. Uh, which is one of the more original ideas I've heard in a long time. So, um, Brett, maybe we can start there. Fire away. Well, well look, it's a, it's a, I'm co-founded a company called Virtual Psychedelics Incorporated, VPI. Uh, there is no drugs involved, except it is, it came about because of this new renaissance in psychedelics being utilized uh, in terms of microdosed uh, behavioral therapy. Wait, uh, there, don't they have psychedelic water now? Oh yeah, there's look. This, this is an exploding area. Matter of fact, I'm I'm going to be speaking in Miami, uh, November seventh uh, through the tenth at the at Wonderland, the PsyCap event, which is like all the money going into psychedelics from all over the world, and it's it's huge. Um, it's uh, you know there's a there's a big gold rush going on around this idea of therapeutic use of psychedelics. Obviously, therapeutic use of psychedelics goes back five thousand years. You know there, there's a, you know plant medicines and uh, 
indigenous peoples using Carlos Castaneda, baby. Sorry, say that again. Carlos Castaneda. Didn't you read that when you were in your 20s? <laughs> yes. Of course you did. You made Lawnmower Man. I know you read it. Well, yes, look at the movie and you can infer the rest. Um, I, I just blurred my background as, as you were talking to give the sense that the, the whole what virtual psychedelics is about is incorporating virtual reality therapy or what I call virtual experience, VX, uh, you know, in, in an, a medicinal therapeutic clinical environment uh, for use in concert with psychedelic therapy. Yep. And uh, we we based uh, Dr. Skip Rizzo is one of our co-founders. Um, Love Skip so Rizzo he's, uh, from USC. He's a, he runs the high tech media medical lab at USC and has been doing you know curing people or you know treating people with PTSD and addictions and many other things with virtual reality therapy for over twenty years. Over yes. three hundred peer reviewed papers. I mean, he's actually nailed he's the down man. the science. He is the man. He yeah. is the man. So uh, I'm very, very happy to be uh, in, in, you know, in business with him. And one yeah. of the reasons for that, we met on a panel a while back. He told me that he saw my movie, The Lawnmower Man, in 92. And that shifted one of the major things that shifted him, his work in this direction. So for me to come full circle and be working with him in a, in a sort of healing capacity around virtual reality, since Lawnmower Man is just basically a cautionary tale, uh, there's a lot of irony in there. And also for me, uh, I'm very happy to be in this place right now. Yeah, Skip and I are on a couple of boards together. So we talk a lot about this area that you're working on in terms yeah. of the efficacy of using virtual reality, mixed reality tool sets for advanced simulations to start to, you know, retrain the brain, use for PSD, PTSD, use for, for people that are going through certain issues and, and find recovery yes. zones. So it's great. Very and exciting. of course, you know, Skip has 20 years of actual data on it. So it's Pretty amazing. I uh, definitely one of the first movers, a very pioneer. And look, it's in this new genre that I think is appearing, which I'm calling MIM, medicinal immersive media. So instead of going into a sim, you're going into a MIM. And the idea is that immersive has got a lot of wind in its sails, the idea of virtual experience in this context of making people feel better, feel more relaxed, feel more meditative, actually moving into positive outcomes with media, which, you know, in a lot of ways, that's a misnomer. That's something that it's almost an oxymoron, you know? <laughs> and so uh, I believe that, you know, the power of immersive media, the power of virtual reality and virtual experience is such that we, you know, us that are part of the creation of this need to move it into the area where we're helping people feel better. Because you know what, in a world like we have today, and you know, it's obviously changed a lot in the last year and a half because of all the things we all know, uh, people want to feel better and they want to have a media experience that makes them feel better or actually creates a healing function within their own psyche. And virtual reality, it turns out, actually does have efficacy in doing that. And people yeah, like Skip's work, good. you know, has proven that for many years. So, so virtual psychedelics is about that. We've, we've actually got a, a project that we've, uh, we have a funding partner and JV partner called Loeb Sciences out of, uh, out of Canada. They're a publicly traded company in the psychedelic realm. And uh, we are creating something called the Chrysalis Pod, which is basically a new way of delivering in a clinical environment, a virtual experience without a headset. For me, ever since I made the Lawnmower Man, and now it's gonna be 30 years ago next year, um, I've always wanted to deliver virtual reality without strapping a box on people's heads. Mm -hmm. And so 
we're doing that in the context of initially for clinical use, but obviously there are many, many other uses because as we all know, immersive media, immersive experience, immersive shows, dome shows, all these things are exploding right now. So, so Brett, can you tell us a little more about the, the practicality of what you're talking about of VR without a headset? Are you talking about a cave type projection environment or something even more? Advanced? Yes, it's, 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 it's looking, here's the, you know, obviously this is not a new idea. People have been trying to do immersive media environments since the 1960s. And there've been many, many, many versions of this. Sensorama. Yeah, exactly. All kinds of versions of it. So, so we're, again, we're focusing, utilize, you know, with our partner, for the for the uh, you know psychedelic renaissance and using psychedelic therapy with virtual reality therapy in concert so this is made for a one patient environment but the good news is that the dynamism in the tech stack right now as you guys are very aware is insane in the context of display technology immersive sound technology biometric feedback gestural recognition all the things that we can put into a immersive environment that can actually help a clinician and a patient know more about what their experience is and help them onboard into something like a psychedelic microdosing behavioral therapy session. You know, for most people, maybe not for all of us, but for most people, they think of psychedelics and they have a lot of stigma about that word. Yeah. They, they think of it in terms of, you know, all, you know, people flying, you know, trying to jump off roofs and, and fly in the 60s. You know, and there's a lot of that pervasive stigma out there. We're trying to shift that story. One of the things we're doing with BPI is also telling the story of the psychedelic renaissance through a, uh, a platform and a, a limited documentary series called Dose. So, you know, for me, as you guys know, I always come to this as a storyteller. I mean, uh, you know, the fact I'm involved with creating hardware like the Chrysalis Pod and these things is just almost sort of a, you know, a, an interesting thing that I find myself in because I've always wanted to tell stories about these technologies and how they both can be used negatively and also positively. So that's I, I find myself kind of entering the reality of the movie I made 30 years ago. Oh, it's kind of funny, right? Because in the movie, people were getting dosed with some kind of drug and then going into VR. Nootropics, yeah. So, so weirdly, and again, that's kind of the, the genesis of the, of the company was that I kind of showed these concepts in The Lawler Man 30 years ago, and now people are actually bringing these things together. And it's not just us, but there, there are others in the space and uh, it's it's you know it's it's kind of exploding and and everything's growing like mushrooms pun intended. Yeah, well, we you know obviously often talk about how <laughs> fiction and fantasy lead their way to reality, and you and I have spent many yeah. a panel talking about things like the holodeck becoming real. Yes, uh, from the world of Star Trek. Well, you know, I saw this thing at Lightfield Labs, which could be the holodeck, which yeah. is walls that emit beams of light that when they form together, look like real objects. Yeah, yeah no, I, I've seen that. And we've been looking at, um, I, I put together this amazing team of people, Alex McDowell and his group, Experimental Designer, part of the Chrysalis Pod, John Nine, who's one of the most amazing immersive video artists on the planet, he did the love show with the Beatles, uh, you know, in, in Vegas. Uh, and we're just trying to bring all these amazing parts of the so tech stack together. Are you in the middle of making the chrysalis? We're, we are in the middle. We are in the middle of the de design development phase, and we move into prototyping right after the first of the year. Wow. So that's one of the things we're doing. You know, there's um, and the other things we're doing are more connected with storytelling, with setting the context for the fact that immersive media, virtual experience, can actually be a healing modality. That, there needs to be a lot of context setting, a lot of narrative. Okay. So, around that in order for people so to understand. Speaking, speaking of narrative, can you yeah. tell us the story of a patient going into a therapeutic environment with a, a therapist and getting treatment in the chrysalis pod and what that looks like? 
Well, look, it would be the, right now what we're, combat, we're, we're battling with actually Skip brings up a picture of a therapist holding someone's hand who has a rag over their eyes on a, in a fluorescent lit room on, on a couch. So we're, we're competing with something that is very low bar right now. So we're bringing people in, somewhere into the chrysalis pod. We're creating a relaxing environment, something to get in touch with their breath, in touch with their, the other aspects of their being. And then how exactly the virtual experience is used depending on the substance in the psychedelic uh, behavioral therapy. That's one of the things we're studying right now with other partners. And so we're, this is very much the emerging area. This is not something that, you know, it's not pro forma yet, that's for sure. So we're very much on the bleeding edge of trying to find out how these things can actually work together. And my belief is also that we can create altered states of consciousness just with virtual experience in an immersive environment, no matter what way it's being delivered. And so, you know, the idea of virtual psychedelics actually down the line, I believe that there's ways of going to be able to create these healing environments and, you know, epiphany based environments uh, without having to take the drug, you know, even yeah, though I think, I think that's well, well proven the idea that a, a very intense visual stimulation and visual experience can literally transport someone to a different place. I think we, the three of us have experienced it in various yeah. ways, both yeah. from an entertainment standpoint, a therapeutic standpoint. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting research and you certainly have with Skip, uh, the right guy that's, you know, within the research realm touching this stuff. Yeah, it's amazing to be working with someone like him who's actually sort of, he's kind of like the real version of what Pierce Brosnan played in The Lawnmower Man. Yeah, sure. so, Absolutely. <laughs> it's a very interesting time for me. But, uh, you know, and, and you know, we're, I, I'm obviously still working. I just had a film out uh, called Triumph that was in theaters uh, in the beginning part of, uh, last part of spring, beginning part of summer. Uh, so I'm still telling stories cinematically, but I'm really trying to find the way to make storytelling a continuum between the more flatty mediums all the way into the immersive mediums. And I believe that storytelling or what I call story worlding now, we've talked about that in some panels, Ted, you know, is really, really the, the, the sort of base foundation for what we need to move into in this new era of the immersive new wave, which I think is really what we're truly starting to see right now, you know, and, and uh, there's a lot of indications even in the marketplace. I just gave a keynote at the Dome Fest West um, uh, conference that took place this last weekend. And, you know, all these amazing companies have, have sprung up. Cosm, who bought Evans and Sutherland and are doing giant dome experiences around the world. Wisdom, of course, here based in, Los, uh, in LA and Foldome, many, many other, uh, you know, groups that are starting to take out these immersive experiences, not necessarily always with a headset strapped on your head, but also kind of in concert with that, in concert with augmented reality. So there's this kind of soup of immersion starting to bring be brought together. And uh, it's just a very exciting time to be part of that medium. Brett, it has been awesome to see you and get the rundown on your new startup. When do you think it's gonna start to roll out? You said you're in a design phase. Yeah, we're, yeah we're, next year, uh, later next year is when the, the Chrysalis pod will, will have its first rollout, but we're going into prototyping. And, and, but again, we're also, you know, creating this, this, this sort of virtual environment called DOS, which is around the idea of the psychedelic renaissance, also connecting with the technology of the immersive renaissance. And the idea is to really bring these things together in a way that synergistically is greater than some of the parts and hopefully so, in a healing modality. After I do this, right? Yeah. Like the women in the neighborhood are just going to be looking at me like <laughs> the guy in the movie. <laughs> it's all, it's always possible, Charlie. <laughs> and the, anything's possible in the virtual realm, as you know. <laughs>
right. very exciting, Grant. Always, always fun to hear Thanks your, a lot, your adventures this in the future. Really fun. Yeah, look forward to seeing you guys in person sometime. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, everybody.